You're listening to a sermon preached at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theupc.org. Today, we are launching our summer sermon series, and I realize that that may take some of us off guard. I mean, when do you ever launch summer in June in Seattle? I mean, I think we're at least maybe a month ahead of the curve, don't you think? But I mean, after the last couple days of spectacular weather, maybe we're more in sync than we realize. Well, uh, Lori Wheeler and I have been assigned to serve as the curator of this summer uh, sermon series. And we landed together on the title, Many Voices, A Borderless Gospel. The Many Voices part of that title alludes to the, the fact that this series is going to be composed of an amazing lineup of preachers, at least after today. <laughs> Some of these guests you may be familiar with. There's going to be Tim Dearborn, Rich Stearns, Mark Laberton, and the two Renees, Renee Sunberg and Renee Notkin. And there are others that you may not be so familiar with like Brenda Salter-McNeil and Roger Nishioka and Sammy Awad and uh, Sung Chan Ra. And in a presidential election year, it's only appropriate that we have a couple presidents in the rotation. There's Richard Rich Stearns, who's the president of World Vision, and he'll bring a message out of his experience in God's global mission. And Mark Laberton, who's the president of Fuller Seminary, and he'll encourage us and challenge us in faith-filled living at the intersection of biblical faith and culture, and we have leading voices in the area of racial and ethnic reconciliation and social justice in Brenda Salter-McNair and Sung Chan Ra. And we have a global leader in community transformation and peacemaking in Sami Awad. And so this summer we have this extraordinary gift of these many voices. But the borderless gospel part of this title comes with the expectation that each of these visiting preachers is going to come at us from some unique angles, from some unique perspectives. We have preachers that are coming from such far away and exotic neighborhoods as Atlanta and Chicago, Managua, Nicaragua, and Bethlehem in Palestine, and perhaps the most intriguing neighborhood of all, South Lake Union. We asked each of our visiting preachers to reflect on this question. From your unique place in the kingdom of God, what is the Spirit saying to the church? What is your sense of what the Spirit is saying to the church for our, our place, our time? I know in my own life that my personal spirituality and faith settles into certain contours and boundaries and borders that define my place in the world and help me to experience some level of certainty or, or consistency, some level of reliability. And my tendency is to construct a community around me that reinforces and supports those values. Now, that's not a bad instinct in and of itself, but except when it contributes to a posture that leads to a spirit-deadening complacency or to burrow into the safe little world of my own making, or to withdraw from authentic encounter with the world that God has, has me designed to occupy and to engage. Sometimes the boundaries and borders of our lives need to be challenged, disrupted. 
a new perspective presented, a new posture engaged. So with this preaching crew that will be coming at us this summer, be prepared to get stirred, perhaps disrupted, perhaps unsettled, and prepared to be invigorated with a fresh new breeze of the Holy Spirit as these many voices engage us with the borderless gospel. It's going to be an extraordinary summer. I'm thinking that some of you may want to change your vacation plans. You're, going to, you're not going to want to miss a single Sunday here at UPC this summer. Well, okay, so there you have it, my long-winded preview of coming attractions. Consider yourself fully briefed. But now let's pivot and dive into our text for today. Turn with me in your own Bibles or into the Pew Bible in front of you to Acts chapter 2. And I'm going to start reading at verse 41. You can find this passage on page 886 in those Black Pew Bibles. As you get there, would you pause for a moment and just pray with me? Holy Father, as we open your word, Holy Spirit, guide us into this text. Help us to work with it. Help us to work it into our lives. And then, Lord, lead us from this text to be your people in your world. Christ's name we pray. Amen. Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 41. So those who welcomed his message were baptized. And that day about 3,000 persons were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Awe came upon everyone. Because many wonders and signs signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at homes as well and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. This passage describes the new community that forms the aftermath of the world-changing events of Pentecost. This small post-resurrection community of about 120 disciples literally explodes into a community of around 3,000 members in a single day. The first century church begins as an odd collection of Jews from all over the Middle East and Central Asia. These were, these were folk who migrated to Jerusalem from places that we know today as Iran and Iraq and Syria, Lebanon and Turkey and Egypt. This was a multi-ethnic, multilingual hodgepodge of Jewish believers who were gathered in Jerusalem to celebrate a Jew Jewish festival, and instead they were swept up in the wind and fire of the Holy Spirit. They received the gospel of new life in Jesus Christ, and seemingly in an instant, through the dramatic multiplication of the Holy Spirit, the church was launched. In a relatively short period of time, it seems the large group of new believers became a dynamic community. This, they quickly adopted a life together of radical sharing that began to have extraordinary influence and impact in the broader community in which they lived. The life of this disparate community developed in one particular direction. 
they became an extended family. It was if this large 3,000 member group became a single family. By the movement of the Holy Spirit, the borders and the patterns and the rhythms of their previous lives were transformed and life took on new dimensions and a dynamism that was extended into the lives of those in their neighborhoods and in the, their relational networks. They were an extended family whose shared life began to extend into the lives of others with whom they lived and worked. They became in other words, they became an extended family, extended. We see in this passage certain distinctives of their shared life. There, there were particular observable practices and rhythms of their life together. And as I look into this passage, I, I see three primary rhythms of their life together. And I call them the three Bs. Becoming, belonging, and blessing. These were the rhythms of their shared life together. And the rhythm of, be of becoming is rooted in their devotion to the apostles' teaching and to prayer. They immerse themselves in the Hebrew scriptures. And they receive the stories of the apostles' personal experience of their life with Jesus. They were taught to understand God's plan for new creation. And together they were working out the implications for their own lives as they were instructed in the way of Jesus. They devoted themselves to prayer, the practice of spiritual engagement that called forth God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Through the rhythmic engagement in these practices of teaching and prayer, they were being formed in and through the life of Jesus. They were a community becoming. The second rhythm I observe here is the rhythm of belonging. They gave themselves to each other in profound practices of shared life. They not only spent time together in public worship at the temple, but they also spent regular time together at the table in each other's homes. They not only were a gathered community, but they were also a dispersed community and extended family groups throughout neighborhoods all over Jerusalem. This profound inclusiveness of their community life was in contrast to the, to the values and patterns of the Jewish and Greek and, and Roman cultures in which they resided, and people took notice. Their lives were distinctive and attractive. And verse 46 in this passage describes this rhythm of belonging, simple hospitality in homes over shared meals, dispersed as in communities all over Jerusalem, these times were enjoyed with glad and generous hearts and filled with thankfulness and praise. You can sense the expansive joy that seemed distinctive among them. And as a result, there was an extraordinary experience of solidarity among them. Such a solidarity that even extended to how they held their possessions. They were doing life together. And not only were they doing life together for their own sake, but they were doing life together as, a, as an intentional way of participating with the Holy Spirit in God's mission in the world. They not only shared a generous life among themselves, but they shared life as a blessing to the community around them. They had a peculiar relationship with possessions, it says here. These possessions were held in, in common in a sort of family trust for the sake of those who had need. 
not only in their family, but the broader family. Private property wasn't necessarily nullified in their community. It appears that individual members of the community kept their own homes, stewarded their own personal resources. This wasn't a first century hippie commune. They didn't sell everything they owned the moment they became a member of the faith community. Instead, what they did is they held their possessions open-handedly in a sort of community-oriented trust, in a sort of extended family foundation, you could say. And various members would liquidate their possessions and property as needs arose, not just to meet the needs of their faith family, but also to engage and meet the needs of the broader society and their neighbors around them. This was the effect of, of this rhythmic lifestyle of becoming and belonging and blessing was dramatic. In verse 43 in this passage, it states that they lived in a state of awe. The shared life of extended family produced a sense of wonder as they experienced and gave witness to the movement of God among them and beyond them. This rhythmic, this rhythmic way of life was winsome and attractive, and it produced favor. It produced goodwill among their neighbors. This was a generative community. Those who experienced the life of this faith family were responsive to the sheer grace and generosity that they experienced, and they were invited in. And as a consequence, they were being met by the Holy Spirit. And the text ends with this simple yet powerful closing statement. It says, And each day the Lord added to their family those who were being saved. What a beautiful picture of community. What an incredible vision of kingdom life that is. But you know, that was then. And this is now. What could we possibly take from this passage for our lives in this time? Our modern lives look nothing like the lives of those early Christians. Society, culture, economic life is dramatically different now from then. What are the implications of our lives in this world for this time? Well, it's true. A lot of things have changed in the past 2,000 years, but there are some essential realities that have not. Essential realities. You know, throughout history, God has relentlessly acted to advance his mission, to choose and form a people for himself who live as instruments of his goodness and grace, to live as expressions of God's glory for the good of the world. And the language that scripture uses to describe this chosen people is family language. The Apostle John in his gospel perhaps puts it most clearly when he writes, To all who received Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Scripture is the story of God forming and shaping his family. Creating an earthly family who would live in such a way that the world would know what he is like. And Jesus said that those who live in his ways and obey his father are truly his family. 
That was not just then. That is now. As a Jesus-formed community, we are meant to live as an extended family, a community of brothers and sisters where the gospel transforms and transcends the borders and boundaries of sociological and economic or cultural definitions of family. Now, those conventional borders and are not meaningless by any means, but kingdom life invites us to something more. We are not bound by the borders defined by the necessities of our culture. We don't have to play society's game. We don't have to be bound by culturals, our culture's rules of rugged individualism, fear-filled tribalism, rampant consumerism, as if the sole point of life is the accumulation and preservation of personal security at all costs. We don't have to play that game. In Christ, we are free from these constraining values. Jesus broke their sovereignty. And as a result, all things are possible. Brothers and sisters, we have freedom choices to make. We have the freedom of actively and creatively and constructively choosing a life together as extended family that is generously extended in the pursuit of life-giving relationships with our neighbors near and far. About two weeks ago, I had the privilege of attending the memorial service of our sister, Sid Lee. Some of you, I'm sure, may have been there as well. The, the, the sanctuary was almost completely full. A little over 23 years ago, Skip and Sid moved into this neighborhood, just up, just up the way a little bit, just half a block up here on 16th. And they lived intentionally towards their neighbors. They lived in the weekly Jesus rhythms of becoming and belonging and blessing, and a close-knit community of students and friends and families emerged. Their lives leveraged an extended family that generously extended into this neighborhood. And it took shape in what is now known as the Vision 16 community, an extraordinary life-giving community. And at her service, at Sid's service, it was very apparent what her life of extended family was about. I'd say that about 60, per, 60 to 70% of the congregation that filled this place, this place was gathered there to honor uh, Sid were under 35 years old. And three of these young adults offered reflections in the service, and they each gave witness to the re Jesus rhythms of shared life, which were intrinsically and very naturally expressed in the day-to-day -day life of Sid. Becoming, belonging, and blessing. Sid actively and creatively lived an extended family, and the response of goodwill in the lives of her neighbors was awe-inspiring, awe-filled love. This is the way of Holy Spirit-formed community. We see various expressions of it throughout the life of UPC. The side-by-side -side ministry is an expression of extended family, extended as this vibrant community of extravagant love wraps themselves around families who are suffering the painful journey of a seriously ill child. This past Friday night, 
a group of 50 of you came together to celebrate the Ministry of Global Friends, which is this weekly gathering of international scholars. And, and these, these 50 folks came together as an extended family who commit themselves week in and week out to hosting this generous space of shared life as they share life over a meal and they pursue relationships with these international visitors and their families who are so far from home. This past Tuesday night, another 50, uh, a group of 50 folk gathered to celebrate the end of an era at the International Friendship House as that ministry transitions from its home on 50th Street to just right up the alley here at, at the Adams House on our North Campus. And for the past 28 years, that home has been a generous space of intentional community, a place of extended family that has hosted shared life with internationals. And tonight at the 5 p.m. service, the 5 o'clock service, we're going to be celebrating the sacrament of baptism to bring into this faith family three of our international students that have been shaped and formed and invited in to the life-giving uh, love of God tonight in that service. Day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. There are many other examples of extended family extended here at UPC, too numerous to account for in this time. But but the moment the movement that I, the movement that I get really excited about here at UPC is this small mustard seed expression of incarnational community that's beginning to emerge in various Seattle neighborhoods. These are Holy Spirit-formed communities of neighbors coming together as extended family, actively and creatively sharing life together, and then inviting their fellow neighbors to enter in. These neighborhood-based communities are kind of a modern version of this Holy Spirit-infused community of the first century that we see here in Acts chapter 2. These are small extended families who are experimenting with the rhythms of becoming and belonging and blessing as a means of engaging and inviting their neighbors into the new creation journey with Jesus. The life of extended family extended is a core expression of UPC's mission to share hope in Jesus Christ. We're at the very beginning of the vision towards UPC becoming an extended family of these spirit-formed communities in neighborhoods all over P Seattle and Puget Sound where our homes and relational networks become this generous space of shared life where God's extravagant love is channeled and released into the lives of our neighbors. This is the opportunity. This is the challenge of our time. The gospel challenges the culturally informed borders of our lives. So the question is, how might our borders be redrawn to actively and creatively live more fully into Holy Spirit-formed community? What might it look like to fully embrace the posture of loving neighbor as family and to receive Jesus' gift of awe-filled love? That's the invitation that Jesus sets before us. And the implications, the possibilities, are beyond imagination. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, 
you give us the good gift of this invitation into your kingdom family of extravagant, awe-filled love. God, you call us into extended families that extend your love into relationships with our neighbors near and far, and it is a great gift. Help us. Show us how we may go deeper into this journey. By your grace, in Christ's name, amen. For more UPC audio or to find out about service times, visit us at upc.org. All online audio is available on CD and cassette. To order copies of sermons and classes, please visit upc.org audio, email audio at upc.org, or call 206-524-7301, extension 117.